Hello, this is Lisa LaRose here on Connect to Love on PRNFM, and I am joined by the amazing and wonderful Michael J. Russ. And I would love to welcome you with a, a great big virtual hug, Michael, and uh, say how grateful I am that you are with me on this journey. So, And I, you, same. Ditto. Yeah. I love this journey yeah. we're on. I know. And last week we had such a fun conversation about the power of perception. I thought that it would be nice to be able to continue it really um, on the power of perception and how to live your very, very best life. And uh, there's a, a gentleman who lived around 108, I think, is when he was the emperor of Rome. And, it, and I see a lot of quotes from him. It's Marcus Aurelius. It's very yeah. interesting that a lot of his wisdom uh, seems to have made it through the ages. And one of them I love is, our life is what our thoughts make it. And it, it just really it sums it up because life is really what you make of it. We don't always know how things are going to unfold. And we just sort of, you know, you have these habitual responses, you have these different things that unfold in your day. And when you sort of take a minute to look and see what your reactions are and what how you can choose a, a more empowering narrative. It really does change how you perceive your life. And so I'm just very excited about this topic because there's so much to be said. And um, one of the, the books that I was listening to, and it was such a, a wonderful question, and he said, you know, if, you asked, if you're asked to name all the things you love, how long would it take for you to name yourself? And I thought that might be a fun starting point to, uh, wow. to talk about perception. Oh, and, um, yeah, so I, I'd love oh, for yeah. you, you, you know, I'm going to kick the ball to you up on that, on that tangent, and we'll, we'll kind of go from there, Michael, if that's okay. Yeah, that's not a problem. I, I, I think it's absolutely amazing how, you know, we, we think of everybody but ourselves in many cases. I mean, I've come across people, and, and literally, it, 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 as, as little as 25 years ago, 25, 30 years ago, I was not, um, I didn't know how to take a compliment. I was like, wow. It's like, yeah, you're welcome. You know, I'm kind of like, it, 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 was a, it was an uncomfortable feeling, you know. And I did some soul searching and realized that really the, the, when someone gives you a compliment for doing something, when you're, when you're a giver, when you're um, helping other people either live their dream or um, giving uh, um, someone a, a random act of kindness, um, being empathetic or compassionate and, and wanting to help people succeed in some way or move forward in their life, whatever they're dealing with, you know, you don't think about yourself. You're, you're into helping someone else either live their dream or just get through that moment and move to the next moment and help them understand that everything's going to be all right, you know, whatever you're doing. And then when they turn around and they say, thank you so much, you don't know what this really meant to me. This, was, this came wrong at the right time. And I can't tell you how many times that I've, I've heard that, including last week on a plane. Uh, you know, you, you're, you know, it's so fortuitous that you're sitting next to me. I, I know this isn't an accident because you're telling me exactly what I need to hear right now. And I've just now just revel in it. 
I just go, thank you. You're welcome. You know, you're welcome. You deserve it. And then mm-hmm. just feel, just let that feeling kind of move through me. Um, I told a story once about when I was in Biloxi with my uh, with my girlfriend, and we were eating breakfast. Uh, and it must have been last year sometime. I kind of told us, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up again because it kind of fits the conversation we're having right now about you know self perceptions and and you know loving yourself and and being able to accept someone else's kindness, uh, feeling you're worthy of that of that kindness. But I was sitting at breakfast, mm-hmm. and after breakfast is over, uh, the, the the check came. And the check was, and the woman who was serving us said, yeah, your, your, your bill's been paid. Here, here's the check. This is a little note for you. And um, I, I, I said, who was it? She says, he wanted, they, wanted, they wanted to remain anonymous. And they wrote on the note, thank you. You don't know how much you, you meant to me. And it was, you're such an amazing person. And I'm going like, well, wait a minute. I never had anybody say that to me before or even buy me, buy me anything. I mean, I do, it for, I do it for people all the time randomly and, and you know, in, in a way that uh, – an altruistic way where I don't reveal who I am. I just do – I just pay that kindness, right, forward that somebody had paid me at some point in my life. Uh, I feel very grateful for where I am. And it was – and it, I, I welled up inside. I was like, oh, my God. It's like – you, you, you finally hits you that you actually that you have you had an impact on somebody and they acknowledge the impact that you had and that's a different moment than than uh, uh, than you just giving 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 and people saying thanks for giving at the time it's different when it comes randomly altruistically you know and I love altruism I love the word I and and it's and it's something that isn't that's kind of missing. Um, but it's in today's society, people say philanthropist, you know, but they don't say altruist. Um, it's not a word that's bantered about. Uh, however, what it means is uh, giving without the need or desire for reciprocation or acknowledgement. So you, when you pay someone a kindness, when you buy their meal without telling them, hey, I'm going to buy your meal, and you just surprise them with it, and, they, and you remain anonymous. There's a feeling there uh, that is totally amazing. And, you know, this conversation is about self-perceptions, and, you know, last week was about just how we perceive the world. And um, what you started the show with is such a profound thing that we – how long would it take you to name yourself? How long would it take you? Um, I did a podcast on life moves where I was talking about judgment. And I said, how long would it, do you really realize that the, if, you, if, you, if it's almost too much of a challenge to stop judging your outer world, why don't you just begin with you? Because you're your biggest critic. <laughs> you know, you judge yourself That's more than you judge other true. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so start there. And it kind of fits in, again, very comfortably uh, like a glove with what we're talking about. Your perceptions of self really do go a long way in creating the reality that you experience because it's it's your reality. And if you're judging yourself, if you're doubting your own talents and abilities, if you're doubting your own intuitions, your inner guidance, your gut feeling that you have, if you're doubting that, 
uh, it can make it really challenging to move forward and actually embrace something 100% or 110% to embrace something fully, which is what you have to do. You have to step off that cliff and take that risk. And it makes that even greater, a greater challenge when you have a, a self-perception issue. Um, so that's, that's what I really wanted to say about that because it's, it's really, uh, you know, we're talking about limiting beliefs, uh, doubtful thoughts. The, the Yeshua Collective was, was talking about doubtful thoughts. Uh, thinking thoughts are everything. Perceptions are thoughts. Thoughts become things. Thoughts are things. And when you want to change your life, you have to start with your thoughts. Start with your thinking. That's where it all begins. People spend so much time looking outside of themselves to, for change. They go to friends. They go to family. They go to loved ones. You know, they go to their partner in life. Um, yet, the person that really needs to change is them. They need to change their thinking. And um, people do the same thing with love. Instead of loving themselves, they go outside of themselves to find love, to fill that void of love that they don't feel for themselves. And time after time, where does it lead? Down the wrong road. If mm-hmm. that's what you've done, then you've put so much pressure on another person to fill the the hole that you should be filling yourself, right? I've always said about relationships that your own, your perception of self is more important than anything else. The confidence you have in yourself, what you think about yourself, the love you have for yourself is, is you know, you wonder why these relationships last 50, 60 years from, you know, back in World War II. Um, <laughs> I sit around there. Do you ever think about that? I just have to know that. Do you, do you, ever, you ever wonder why relationships have lasted 50, 60 years from, from that era? I don't know. And, you know, I, I have to be honest with you, Michael. Growing up as a child in Canada, it didn't, it didn't exist. It, it just was, it was so foreign to me. I had such a, I don't know. When I came to the United States, it was this thing, and I just, I, I still find it. It just flabbergasts me how it it became a thing. But I would love to hear your insights. Absolutely, please share them with me. Because long term, <laughs> you know, there, there's there's a, a different era, uh, different flow of information, more cohesiveness. Um, with regard to people in the country, everybody was kind of thinking along the same lines. I mean, civil rights and all that aside, what you really had is an information stream that was completely different. I mean, that information stream has become more pervasive, invasive, uh, and, and the like, and persistent in nature as time has gone by, as as we had access, as our em- access to information increased whether we wanted that information or not, as that the sources of and the access to the information continue to ramp up, it, uh, many more thought viruses came with it. And thought viruses that meant it was all about that tried to control you and what you were thinking. And back in those days, also people didn't travel very far from home. The uh, uh, transients situation wasn't there. People were not uh, moving around as much unless you were in an industry where that was part of the plan. Um, so you have this 
uh, a situation where you've got a lot of information. That information can, you know, causes a lot more thinking and a lot more doubt about you because it's a bombardment of everything from media negativity to advertising to this. You know now a whole bunch more stuff, but you don't know how to handle it. And one of the issues that I find in, in current relationships when it comes to uh, people who are um, uh, who've just gotten married uh, or been married for five, ten years, fifteen years, um, what is the normal result? They're not really told that you have to work at it every day. You have to not only work at your work on yourself. You have to make sure that you're fulfilling your life intentions, or there will be this whole. You know, and, and if you sacrifice your intentions for somebody else's intentions, there will be that hole, that void that, that you somehow deep down feel needs to be, be filled. That None of that existed back uh, 60 years ago. It didn't exist hmm. 60, 70 years back. It didn't, it didn't exist at all. Now we, we have it. And I, I, I talk about this all the time because how you perceive yourself is being dictated, if you let it, it'll be dictated by outside influences, the fashion industry, social media, um, all these outside influences that didn't exist 50, 60 years ago, they're here now, and they're in your face, and you're accessing them digitally on your phone. There's so much now to get in the way of how you feel about yourself because somebody's always trying to tell you you're less than. Remember we had that that show uh, a couple months ago about you are enough, right? Mm -hmm. You are enough. You're you're Absolutely. you're you're perfect just as you are, and you're only going to get better, and you're going to get better because of new enlightenment, what you expose yourself to, the experiential wisdom, and in a in a reality creation sense, what you're doing, you can actually guide that process. You are guiding it whether you realize it or not. You're creating a reality through your own thoughts about yourself and what you're capable of every single day, your interactions mm-hmm. with the outer world. And it's a fascinating conundrum that people, I find, you're either tuned into it or you're not. Do you find that? I do. And I think that there's, I, in my opinion, you know, you're, it's like a, a, it's become for a lot of people a, a full-time mission to please other people and to prove they, they yeah. are worthy. And instead, mm-hmm. I, I would challenge people instead of trying to um, fit in to what other people's boxes really change the world by being yourself. And that in in and of itself, I think, is, is really powerful. And, and I want to just address something because I think, Michael, when you, you brought up even racism, there is a lot of cultural misunderstanding. Um, we spoke a few episodes ago about Jim Quick, who was known as the boy with the broken brain. That's how he was perceived. And he mm-hmm. found uh, a way to teach himself to learn, and now he trains you know, countless other people. And what I found so fascinating, one of the girls that came to his class was a, a woman, her name is Alexis Bang, and she grew up in a family, in Korea, they were Korean, and her family's business had failed, and, and her family were really struggling, and then their visa that they had applied for seven years prior came through. And so they came to the United States, you know, wide-eyed, full of opportunities, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But because 
they did not speak English when she entered school. She was perceived as dumb. She was perceived as slow. She was perceived as all these other things. Nobody, none of the teachers, none of the other kids took time to re- recognize that she didn't speak the language. And so when she would go to gym class, where she would think language wouldn't be an issue, the gym teacher would make her write out, I will not forget my gym clothes. I will not forget my gym clothes over and over and over again. But she didn't understand what it meant. And 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 you think about that, you know, and, and so she went all the way into her 20s not wanting to read, not wanting to do all of these different things until she found one of Jim's classes. And when she went to the class, all of a sudden, you know, she was very hesitant. You know, you went through the first one. Then they were talking about speed reading. Well, she didn't read because of her perceived dumbness, you know, the things that she was made fun of, being slow learner, whatever it was. And, um, you know, she went on to recognize, like, oh, my gosh, you know what, I can do this. I can achieve this. And I, I just found it so fascinating because she ultimately, she co-founded a business with him later on. I, I haven't, I don't know too, too much about the the, the story, but um, to me, she, you know, she's uh, the CEO, co-founder of Quick Brain, which is all about brain performance and mental fitness. And, but I can just, I, and here you think, here she is so, so achieved now, but all of the things that this poor young girl had to undergo. And, and again, the same thing to be able to say, like, do I like myself? Do I love myself? What was she being judged on? But now, in fact, that's exactly what she's doing. She's changing the world, not by changing herself and molding herself into that, that perceived uh, a, a person that she was perceived to be. She's actually become something else. And I think that that's really what it is. You know, we, we don't often treat ourselves with love and kindness or respect um, at the time, you know, She's new to a, a different country. There's a lot of different yeah. things. I can just imagine how her insecurities and, you know, what it what I, what it took to get gain the confidence that she needed to, um, and and the struggles and and I I thought it was such a good reminder though of how many times do we we perceive somebody not really making the time to get to know their story. And as you were saying, that whatever those perceptions were, and you know, way, when they stemmed, way, the way they stemmed all the way back into into that time period, I I find it, I, and I'm hoping that you know, as we have these conversations, that it does inspire people to maybe take a little bit of time to let go of any self-limiting belief that they might have. Um, because they really do. It's it's self-deprecating thoughts that really help that keep us from growing as a person. And in, and I thing. do believe it's all about perception. Yeah, please. I'd love to hear your thoughts. True. Um, what I find interesting about your uh, about your what you just said with the, the story, I see I see it from another angle, and that angle is one of soul's intentions. Mm. realizing a soul's intentions. And um, 
I when I hear stories like that, and I hear where they came from and where they ended up, <clears throat> and seeing what good they're doing for the world, uh, I think about hmm, and that soul purposely put themselves through that situation so that they could actually learn, get the contrast they needed in order to uh, be able to fully identify with the people that they would be helping in the future. People I that, would the, say you know, yes. Changing the world mm-hmm. uh, isn't just necessarily flipping a switch, setting an intention and going, yeah, I'm going to change the world. Um, people who have stories like that um, that are rooted in misunderstanding and a, um, uh, a negative self-perception, the transformation occurs, and you just you pointed out actually when the transformation occurs when she, she found uh, the Jim Quick. Um, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, the, uh, when she was uh, somewhat guided to that, she was supposed to experience that. After she experienced one uh, part of her life where she had the experiential wisdom to understand what to, to, to grasp what she was feeling. She needed to experience that to, in order to fully be able to immerse herself in helping people who were like her. <laughs> and it mm-hmm. is, it's really interesting. And it, 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 it was, oh, yeah, well, why did you have to go to that? Because would she have founded this this wonderful company to help people in the way that she is helping them if she hadn't gone through an experience contrastingly through an experience that happened to help her understand the need and she's now you know doing exactly what her soul's intention was to begin with you know it's mm-hmm. interesting because the um when we had Carol Collins on, we were talking about the issue of collective. Um, the thing that I've always, that's always been on my mind for, for decades is what my soul's intentions were. What are they? And um, I kind of stumbled from one thing to another, uh, thinking I was stumbling from one thing to another. But really what I was doing was I was getting gaining experience, experiential wisdom. Spiritual wisdom that would put me in a place that I would be able to write books, do talks, be on the show with you, and speak from mm-hmm. some sort of experiential wisdom, some point of, of wisdom about, you know, because there's a lot of people out there who espouse things based on studies. I find there's nothing wrong with that, not judging that at all, except for the fact that where's the contrast? You can study a bunch of people, but if you haven't lived in their shoes, it's a little bit of a different story. You're coming at it clinically. And uh, so I I like to say even psychologists have challenges in their personal life. Mm -hmm. They might have all the schooling necessary. They might have all the the P's and Q's, you know, all the ducks in a row, everything lined up, the I's dotted, T's crossed when it comes to the uh, the clinical way of dealing with someone's challenges, mental challenges. However, if you, I've always wondered, are you are you? Can you be as good at what you do when you cannot say I've been there, I've been, I've walked in your shoes, 
I know people who've become social workers after being in very, very challenging socioeconomic environments. And they, they felt this great desire to help others move forward as they did, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm always impressed because I know that what, what they're doing, what they're looking to do, what they're studying to be, to be uh, proficient at is rooted in experiential wisdom, where they came from. And there's a transformational story there, an alchemy that occurred, that occurred at some point, pivotally, when maybe somebody said, to them some, said something to them, helped them realize, helped give them, gave them a, a hand up. You know, um, as uh, one other thing that stuck, stuck with me about when, when um, Carol Collins was on with the Escher Collective was how they were saying that, you know, your, your guide is, is with you, always helping you think the better thought, think the, think the better thought. Um, helping you, in, helping your thinking move in the right direction. You know, they, they don't have the ability to say, unless you're in clear communication, to say, hey, you, do this. Don't do that, do this. <laughs> you know, because going down that road is just basically taking you backwards. We're taking you sideways. The asphalt in front of you is where you want to be focused going forward, driving yourself <laughs> forward. Yeah, I'm laughing not, because I was on the asphalt yesterday when I was going forward and I stepped in a pothole and uh, fell <laughs> forward. And, uh, and, you know, it's so funny you say that because I had these boots on. I was, I was dragging some things uh, into the, where the, the garbage is picked up and, you know, put it there and turned around, didn't see this big pothole in the alley. Oh, yeah. And took a tumble onto the asphalt, and there was a. They've been doing some construction in the area. There was a board, and I fell right on the board. Had I not, and I landed squarely on the asphalt, which is what I would have liked to have done. It would have been a flat thing, but this board added an extra dynamic, and it it caught me in the ribs and cracked my rib. But that, you know, I picked myself oh, really? up. So you have a cracked rib and, now. I do have a cracked rib, but it's uh, it's okay. I mean, I almost passed out with the pain. There was nobody around. Got myself up. Oh. I'm like, wow, wow, this is intense. <laughs> and uh, what happened got here? myself into the car. You know, I had a I had a little thing of orange juice. Thank goodness, and you know, drank that and and moseyed on down the road, and I uh, got myself <laughs> home. And. Uh, Oh, sorry. But you know, that. you talk about that that being a pivotal moment, Michael, because that's exactly right. what I was doing. I was turning around from where I was. <laughs> you know, in the, when the rubber meets the road, it was when Lisa meets the road. And, uh, you know, but I was grateful <laughs> because I could have, you know, ended up with in a much more serious way. And had I, had I not, I, I guess if I had been paying attention to what was below my feet or what was around my surroundings, but I, I sort of, I'm, I'm fine. It's not, it's just That's a little good. speed bump on the, on the road to life. And, and, and I, it'll be a distant memory. It's less painful today than what it was. I have, uh, you know, I have to be a little bit careful around my dogs because, they're not used to they're used to being a little bit rougher with me and uh but you know i think it's it's all about 
you know, how do you want to feel? What do you want to feel? How, you know, what is it that you want to uh, really bring forth in life? And, you know, sometimes the universe will (laughs) bring you exactly what you need to have a little reminder, you know, slow down and pay attention. Yeah, pay attention. (laughs) Pay attention. Yeah. I multitask a lot mentally or, you know, sometimes physically I'm doing, you know, I, I, I like to say around the house, I'm a, I'm a, a tornado. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like when I decide to clean, um, I jump in with both feet. I jump off the cliff. My intention is to clean everything. So it's kind of like get out of my way because I'm like the, the what is that? What was that? The, uh, the Warner Brothers character, the uh, Tans- Tasmanian Devil. Yeah, Tasmanian would, Devil. Would spin around. Tasmanian Devil mm-hmm. would, would spin around, you know. That's me. That's me when I'm when I'm cleaning something, just don't talk to me. I'll put some music on and I'm gone. And I, I just keep going from one place to another. Keep doing this. I see it, I get it done. I see it, I get it done. You know, I'll I'll mop the floor, sweep the floor, mop the floor, back in the floor. Do this. I got in my mind I know I know the little one, two, three, four, five things that I want to get done. And I I do them. Same thing when I'm cleaning the kitchen after a, a dinner party. We've had three this week. Wow. My mother's here. Oh, yeah, three dinner parties this week uh, with my mom here. And, uh, you know, people want to see her and we want to and, and get people over. We had a big table and we said, we're going to play dominoes tonight. And two people out of the table didn't know how to play dominoes. So we, they, we taught them how to play dominoes while we were playing. And we played know, six games. It was awesome. Um, and everybody had a good time. Everybody was laughing, and my mother was enjoying it because she didn't know how we played dominoes, uh, and it was fun. Um, yeah, and it's nice. it's one of those things. Yeah, it's just you know what happened to there's there's watching a movie together, and then there's game night. Game night has a lot more interaction. Um, it has a lot more emotion associated with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a lot more again self belief self-love, it involves all those things, but mainly it's connecting with other people in a positive way. And you don't do that when you're watching a movie together, you know, or you're watching a show together, everybody going, that's not the same thing. Um, and it, 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 it helped us understand, and we're doing this because um, six of us are, excuse me, four of us are going to Turkey in September, and we're taking the dominoes with us. And on the beaches, nice. and when we go to Rodos, yeah, we go to Rodos, Greece. We're going to be at a cool resort for a couple of days. We're going to pull out the dominoes. We're going to pick up dominoes all afternoon, hang out, you know, on the beach, drinking some nice wine and or cocktails and playing dominoes and having some nice meals and relaxing and chilling, enjoying the, you know, the Rodos sunshine. Um, I'm sure we'll do it in some other places as, as, as well. But, you know, it's it's something that you can – you want to have things that you can, you and your friends can actually do together where there's interaction, conversation, um, quips and, and humor and those kinds of things. It makes you feel alive. It really does. And it, makes you, it just makes you feel good. And I'll sit around when these things are happening and I will just I'll shut up and I'll just look around and I'll, I'll be in the moment of what's happening, listening to people and just being grateful for everybody being there and for the time that the energy that's that's in the room i'll just it's like i step back from the table mentally 
and just kind of look at everyone and kind of see the look on their faces and hear what's going on and go, yeah, this is, this is life. This is, this is fun. You know, this is, this is where, this is, this is where we want to be. Uh, and in creating those moments, we, growing up, we used to play a lot of board games. And I know there are a lot of families in this country and around the world that do, play, do still play board games, but it's fewer and fewer and fewer because kids are off on their phones and digital devices and playing video games and, and uh, doing all these things that uh, are so disconnected from people uh, in, in a way that you can, you know, feel and touch and, and the like. So it's... It's very nice. It's nice to get back into that a bit uh, because it is. It's something that it makes you feel good, and it 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 brings you. There's nothing like that kind of connection. Nothing. Um, we can sit around together, my girlfriend and I, and we can. Well, uh, I enjoy certain programs during watching certain programs during the week. We have our favorites that all make you feel good when they're done. You know, I love watching programs or movies where there's a um, there's not a lot of violence it's just that there's a transformational story involved and at the end of it there's and, and you, you turn it off wanting more of that feeling good you know mm-hmm. recognizing that there's some good in the world or at least somebody has portrayed good in the world they've given somebody else a model for how they can live their life perhaps those kinds of things can uh, can go on and you know yeah I say Can I just bring, bring something up real quick? Just because okay. you brought up board games, and I, I found this, you know, I'm, it seems like I'm always finding things that are sort of interesting little tidbits like in the, that I never knew before. Um, mm-hmm. So there, you know, you're familiar with the game Monopoly, um, but mm-hmm. there was actually a, a game that pre- predated mm-hmm. Monopoly, mm-hmm. and it was called The Landlord's mm-hmm. Game. Do you know, are you familiar with yeah. that by yeah. Ma- Elizabeth yeah. Maggie? And, Interestingly and enough, I, yes. Yeah, yeah, no, so share with me what you know about it, and then I'll, I'll, I'll give you no, a few I, I, just, I actually heard about it last week. There was a show oh, on, I was talking, yeah, there was a show on about how I, how, how, how this, how games became a thing. I, I, there's a program that's on one of these cable channels that actually documents, um, you know, like the, 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 the candy, how, how the candy industry got to be the way it is, how the gaming industry got to be the way it is, how these games started, you know, and, and it was so fascinating to me to yeah, see that so historical you, perspective. Yeah, and they talk about, like, so, you know, the, the game of Monopoly is, like, people buy properties and you collect the money and the right. idea is to mm-hmm. bankrupt the other people in the game but the original <laughs> yeah, right. game the original game the landlord game was not about that it was about a game where everybody benefited that when you went around the board everybody was to benefit and mm. you know parker Maybe that brothers needs to make a resurgence <laughs> isn't isn't that fascinating and and mm-hmm. i you know i kind of i'm going to now that you told me that there's actually a little bit more information about it, I'm going to have to do some research. But I found it fascinating that it was really about prosperity and that everybody could prosper. And, mm-hmm. um, cool. you know, as opposed to Monopoly, which was all about, you know, taking properties, prosperity Green. was where every player, <laughs> every player won money 
and gain property. And it was all about collaboration and the social good. And, you know, talk about perspective, right? What are, it's, yeah. It looks like the same game, but we're playing it differently. So I think you can apply that to your life. <laughs> you know, yourself, you know, what are you seeing? And, and if, if life well, the, is a game, what, yeah. you know, what well, is the whole industry? This, the whole real estate industry is, is kind of based on that monopoly game and, you know, based on the, the, the bringing out the, the, the lower emotions in people. The interesting thing that I would want to know is did, did Hasbro, who created uh, Monopoly, buy the rights to uh, They did buy Hasbro. her game. Did they, they, did they buy the rights Parker to the Brothers. game? They did buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excuse me, Parker they Brothers. Did. Not that. I'm sorry, it's Parker Brothers. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think with Hasbro. she sold it. Uh, I don't know if they bought it directly. I think that there was somebody in between, but she sold it to a publisher, who in turn sold it to Parker Brothers in 1935. Yeah, which yeah. was That's, um, that. Then Parker Brothers figured, oh, we can't have all this good happening. Nobody's going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to bring out the, the worst in people. <laughs> Yeah, that's I, I really, catch on. I found it, and isn't that interesting that it's coming, I, and, and as we, you and I have talked about this new earth and the shift in consciousness and people waking mm-hmm. up, that these things, even dandelions, which were considered the elixir of life and people removed grass to plant dandelions, all of a sudden this is coming back into the collective knowledge base uh, for, the, for humanity. And for the masses. And I love the fact that not only did I find out about uh, the Landlord's Game, you did too. Yeah. It's interesting. Those shows are very, you know, educationally unique. Um, I I didn't, you know, kind of like the whole concept with uh, the story about Hershey was just pretty amazing. And the the war between they and Mars and, and Wrigley and all these people back in the day when candy was... Uh, uh, you know, penny candy was a thing, and how they developed, and and uh, the number of small candy players around the country that were put out of business. But there's this place called Cracker Barrel here in the South. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, they finally yeah. have one now yeah. all the way out in California, but Cracker Barrel. We have we have uh, them up here as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they've expanded up into the Northeast, off the highways up there. Fabulous little place, um, and you know, it's the home of Kitsch. <laughs> It's the, 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 mm-hmm. the kingdom of kitsch. Uh, but it's also the kingdom of all these candies that had been, that, that went out of business, that small candy manufacturers came back in and started manufacturing these candies. They bought the rights to the names and all these things. And they, or, or maybe it's even a bigger candy, bigger candy company that bought the rights to these names. And that's where they sell them. You'll go in there and you'll see things that you, <laughs> that if you're old enough, you're going like, I, don't, I remember when that was a thing. God, I haven't seen that in a long time. But that's kind of it, you know. You know, circling back to our topic uh, of the day of of of, of self perception, um, self identity. Um, you know, what you think of yourself and what you're capable of. All this really plays into that. It's really interesting that mm-hmm. that there isn't a thing out there that you expose yourself to. Uh, that whether you, you see it, taste it, touch it, smell it, you're 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 judging things thousands of times a day. And you're interacting with it in relation to yourself and what you think mm-hmm. and about yourself and what you think about it. It all boils down to this interaction. And we develop our thinking 
from what we're exposed to. And the interesting thing is, um, and again, I, I keep going back to this Yeshua Collective because it's, it, this is some brilliant I, little nuggets that I keep picking up um, from this, is that the nuance of what you expose yourself to, taste, touch, smell, feel, you know, what you, what you expose yourself to, you have to, you have to be very intentional about that process because if you attach deep emotion to it, everything imprints on your grid. Mm-hmm. The negative things that imprint on your grid, if you, give, if you invest emotions into them, they get a bigger place on your grid. And then you've got to get rid of them in order to uh, clear your grid. They become part of you. You start, all thoughts go to the grid, your subconscious grid, all thoughts. And we say thoughts are things. Thoughts are things because those thoughts imprint on your grid. They become part of who you are. They play out according to the law of attraction. It's a very interesting little ecosystem of of thought. And so I've been really paying a lot more attention to not only what I'm exposing myself to, I'm also really paying attention to how I respond more than I have before. And I have been doing this for decades. And Mm -hmm. now I'm like, because I'm I'm kind of looking at it going, yeah, I've always thought, here's the thing. In my book, Zero Adversity, I I posit that there are actually three uh, perceptions that you can have. Instead of positive or negative, there's a third. Third is a neutral perception which is whereby you, it's like seeing the train go by without investing in, I need to be on that train. I missed the train. The train is just going by. It's not my train. It's just going by, right? And, right? and you don't give it a second thought. You don't invest any emotion in it. No energy, no nothing, right? And in my view, um, you can actually engage with life and put a lot of what you experience, what you expose yourself to, in the neutral category. You don't need to judge something as bad. You don't need to say, um, to judge it in one way or another, or to, to uh, what, what, what happens with information that, we, that we're, um, we receive it either through emails or texts or social media. We get links, we get other things. And, Unfortunately, the worst of humanity gets shared in that way, and, and we have a tendency to judge it. We invest emotion in it, anger or disgust or whatever it may be. When we do that, that gets imprinted on our grid. It, mm-hmm. it, it is something that, that we, there again, at some point, because of that thought process, we attract it to us. Not the thing that happened, but that energy. And that... To me, that's why I've been really paying attention. I've really been paying attention to, to just that. So I could, you know, see, can I do this? Can I keep my grid clear this week? Can I, based on what I see, can I just put this thing I got sent in the neutral category? Maybe I don't look at it. Maybe if I do, I don't invest in it. I just see that it's a thing and that's it, mm-hmm. you know? 
That's pretty well, much interesting. what you guys, it sounds like you're pretty much living, you know, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, that you are embodying that. You're changing the way, not only the way you're looking at things and perceiving things, you're changing the way you're responding to things. And, and, I, find, and I really commend you, Michael, because it, it takes a conscious effort. It really does. <laughs> it's an experiment. I, I have been doing the same thing and I, I believe that in my opinion that things are just getting easier. The more that I'm conscious of, okay, well, yeah, that happened, but I don't really need to uh, react to it. I can just let it go. Mm-hmm. I mean, even exactly. my incident yesterday, like, you know, yeah, I could have called up 15 people and uh, you know, bemoaned my misfortune. No, not so much. You know, I, I went on with my day. I had things I needed to do, and you know, mm-hmm. I, I did practice self-care. I'm respectful of that. I, I do recognize that maybe I'm a little bit more tender, but I, it doesn't mean that I need to feed it to the grid. I need to feed. I, I actually I went into a space of a, a quiet meditation where uh, I went into whole and perfect and unbroken, 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 and uh, really just gathered my energy in and channeled that through my beingness. I just needed to let it go. I, mean, I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't anything I'm interested in holding on to. Um, and I, and I yeah. think that that's when you are conscious of your different choices. You know, oftentimes. Comes, we have these choices that are dictated by other people, or the views of other people, or what you, as you see. You said you know what you see on TV, or right. what the society mm-hmm. says. This is the mm-hmm. life that you should be living, not the life that you're choosing. And and I think a lot of that is based on fear of not being accepted. But as we really gain momentum in taking control and and really being authentically true to our who we are and our uniqueness and owning that um you know i'm a, i'm a little bit quirky and i'm happy to be quirky and it's it's what makes <laughs> me me it really does That's right. and there and, and i love you know we had Al, eric alexandrakis and he says you know i'm really just good at being me and and i think that is same the same is true for me i'm really good at being me I like the things I like, and I like to spread sunshine the way that I do, and um, I have different opinions that I've done a lot of reading, and I've formed my own conclusions, and I'm a constant student of the universe, and I'm always eager to learn from somebody, because guess what? I have so many teachers that show up in my life, and and I embrace that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I do. I embrace that, and, and I try very consciously and i appreciate the uh, the last one of the last few episodes you reminding me of a self-limiting belief that i had and that i spoke and i thought okay no you know what you're you know michael's absolutely right i'm going to okay, correct what was myself it? i'm <laughs> I, I i have dismissed it from my field i just recalled oh, good. it you know, all right i well, made that bring correct. it up again no good. i didn't and, I, and it's like, yeah it's true. Sometimes what, what happens, it, this, is, this is interesting. Um, I don't know what I was, I was either watching something the other day or I was listening to something and it was, 
they were talking about how we have this need in society to spread negativity um, about ourselves, especially something that happened to us. We have this need to, to share it with, you know, dozens of people to put it out there and sort of like, look at me, haha, this thing happened to me. It's so ridiculous. Aren't I so stupid? You know? And I'm like, okay, this is, <laughs> I, sometimes it's, it's just the whole social media thing where, you, where people are, are seeking like, la, la, no, likes or, you know, mm-hmm. making people laugh, you know, the old self-deprecation, right? Um, right. And I, I, I told somebody the other day, I said, you know, just, if you, when, when you train yourself, when you deeply ingrain in your gray matter that everything that happens doesn't have to be good or bad, it's just something that occurs. It's an experience you have, and it, your experiences are like building blocks. If you uh, building blocks that actually build something big with regard to you, they have that potential, and mm-hmm. that we have to that we don't have to uh, beat ourselves up about things. We can just let things go. We can see the lesson, okay, instead mm-hmm. of the mistake. Uh, and that is, if we could just teach ourselves to do that, then we're going to get better at what it is because the energy we put into the mistake part of it uh, really does, uh, as, as thoughts go, create more of the same. And I, I go back to golf a million times, and interestingly enough, I had a, a doctor, a dentist, down in Orlando who I uh, befriended. I think he's 75, almost 80 years old. He's retired as a dentist. But he, he helps um, kids in low-sick low socioeconomic communities, uh, people, kids of color, he's a black doctor, uh, to learn the game of golf and learn life skills as, based on golf something that I wrote. I sent him my book, uh, Powerful Golf, and he loved it. And he called me like when I was in Atlanta, and I got back to him when I got home. And I, I said, hey, what's up, Doc? And he goes, well, I just had these thoughts. And he talks like that, you know, very purposefully about the things. I just had these thoughts about, you know, why, you know, what makes these, these, these young boys and girls who just come out of college, they get out and do, why, why are they not able to perform at their best? And I looked at him and I said, it's a confluence of many things, mainly mm-hmm. where they come from and the limiting thoughts they have based on what, they, what their experiential wisdom up to that point is. Even, even if you're a, a, a pro on the tour, been there for 10 years, 15 years, never won a, a, a tournament, came in in the top 10 several times, your mind shifts. The reason, what, 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 what keeps you from winning in many cases is your own doubts about whether you can win. Your limiting beliefs, all talent being equal, and it really is. You know, I mean, Tiger was the master of this, his self perception was so strong and still is that in his heyday he scared the heck out of everybody else his Mm self-perception was 
that energy was so out there, it convinced everybody else that they were playing for second every time every tournament he got into. And that is, and they just picked up on that energy, and they started believing that, doubting themselves. And mm-hmm. if you're talking about creating a reality for yourself uh, via self-perception, especially if you're uh, in peak performance sports or whatever you're in, your perception of yourself has to be incredibly strong, and you have to work at that. He worked at it from an early age. He was taught how to do it, but he, he worked at it. And that's what I told this doctor. I said, you know, it's, you, you're talking about somebody who you have to deal with each person individually and where they came from and ask them what their why is. Why are they even there? Why? You know, it, it's even, even out on tour, a lot of guys may be there just to make, because they make a lot of money and they love the game. If they really, really want to win, they have to fight those demons, so to speak, exercise the demons, not fight them. Mm-hmm. The thought viruses that are getting in the way, the, the self-limiting thought viruses. Now think about us, the average, you know, um, people on the street. We're going through whatever it is. We're going to be faced in our lifetime, maybe even now, with even in our relationships, personal relationships, our marriages or our, our partnerships or wherever, and we're going to be our jobs, uh, with friendships, with family. We're challenged all the time to perceive ourselves in a positive way and, and literally, um, I, don't, I don't know if fight for our own piece of the world is, uh, is, is the right way to put it, but we have to, we have to make sure our own house is in order. I guess that's it. And we have to fight mm-hmm. to keep it in order. We invite by limiting how we process all that stuff that's going on outside of us. You know, family can be, put a lot of pressure on you. Friends can put pressure on you. Your peers can put pressure on you. And you have to be able to know who you are and, and say, no, that's not right. I would rather do this. And, and be sound in your decision because you're going to be ridiculed in some cases, mm-hmm. but that's your decision. And if our life is a mirror of our thoughts, which it is, our life mirrors our thinking, then those people who are ridiculing us will either fall away or they will shift and transform themselves because you will be the influential example. I'd rather right. be the influential example, right? I'd rather Absolutely. be that. I find you know, that they fall away that. in my life. I do. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, however we perceive an event is determined. You know, it, it determines how we experience it, whether we it's good, mm-hmm. bad, uh, you know, whatever it is. I like the neutral. And, and I love that you you brought up that nuance, Michael, because it, it's very, very powerful. And, and they say, you know, you are not your thoughts. You are a witness to each thought. And I like that awareness because it allows you to consciously make that choice. And once you mm-hmm. notice and you become more cognizant, I think it's very empowering for each one of us to find a better thought, raise your vibration, change your perception, you know, whether it's unlearning self-limiting beliefs and reconditioning your mind to know that you are worthy, to know that you are wonderful, to know that you are smart enough, 
you know, young enough, old enough, whatever it is, um, I think that it's exactly that, how you respond to them. And, and that's how you bring back your personal power and really shift the perception as to, to who you are. And I would love for you to leave the audience, and we have uh, maybe like three or four minutes left, but I'd love for you to, to leave the audience with some empowering thoughts, um, things that <laughs> you choose to perceive about yourself that has really, uh, you know, like you said, as you step out on that golf course, how do you perceive Michael J. Russ and what you're going to achieve? I know that each day you wake up and it's going to be an awesome day. That's number one perception, and that's what you choose. And I love that, and I admire sure. you for yeah. that. And oh, it's, I, it's an awesome day. A couple things. First, first and foremost, you, this is self-perceptions. We have to take self-perceptions more seriously. Um, the, as I said at the beginning of the program, our outside influences, the outside influences are gaining in um, gaining traction in ways now that were inconceivable even 10 years ago. Um, I see a I see a program on TV that's 24-hour sports and understand that, and there's five stations you know, of the same, you know, ESPN 5, ESPN 6. And I understand that they have to fill 24 hours of programming, um, just like news does. Uh, 24-hour news has to fill every minute of 24 hours with news and information. So as I said in the podcast the other day, the jig is up. Let's, let's be aware of what's going on outside of us. It's no longer, it's not, a, it's not something we shouldn't know or understand. We know advertisers are looking to influence us. We know social media has lots of now advertising. Look at all the advertising now that's on Instagram, right, mm-hmm. for everything under the sun. And all, a lot of it's really cool stuff. And you're tempted to go, oh, let me check that out. You know, but I've noticed a pervasive amount of, uh, of, of advertising. Also, the other is, um, the advertising from nonprofits. There's all kinds of outside information that is going to, that is seeking to in some way make you feel less than. And that's unfortunate. However, that's the game. Understand the game, understand how to play the game. Understand that your thoughts are things, that what you think about yourself matters. All thoughts matter. All words matter, especially where they're directed. And to eliminate self-doubt, you got a choice. 50-50, doubt, no doubt, doubt, no doubt. I'd rather go with the no doubt because doubt raises a whole host of other thought processes that you really, you know, in, in investments of, of energy and and uh, time and other things that can just clog your emotions, that feelings that can clog clog your grit. And you know, when we're when we're in the impressionable years of our youth, it's you know there's no handbook for raising kids. No handbook. You can buy anybody can have a kid, right? Um, as my brother said the other day, who lives in California. It takes $300, $300 to get a license to 
you have, you have to pay to get a license to drive license to drive a car. I don't know what the cost is, um, but you 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 anybody can have a child, and since there's no anybody can have kids, there's no corresponding like this is the way you should raise your kid. But if someone came to me and asked, I'd say just make sure that you're acknowledging their existence, their presence in life, and then and making sure that they know that the sky's the limit for what they can do. You can do anything you want to do in life. Just keep saying, and loving yourself is the most important thing. Love yourself. Know that you can do anything. Step off a cliff and know that you'll fly when you decide, when you have an idea and you want to go pursue it. If it doesn't work out, see it as an opportunity to learn something. It's like a, it's like a, a, a building, like a Lego set. You know, little pieces fit together. You know, little mistakes become another piece. You work your way up to the top and you finish the project. Finishing the project is when you're dead, right? You're just always working on the project. Um, and that's, it's just a different way to see what's going on outside of you and how to process it in a positive way. And I'm big on that, always have been. And I seek to quantify it in a way for people that they can, you know, bite into it and, and move forward. Your perceptions are important. The way you respond based on your perceptions is important. The way you feel is dictated by all your perceptions. So how you feel about yourself, if you don't feel good about yourself, then that, that perception of you is going to drive all the thinking you have about whatever it is that comes your way. If you doubt your abilities, best thing in the world can come your way, and you'll simply go, mm, I don't know if I can do that. Should I do that? Let me ask 10 of my best friends and my family and let me take a consensus. <laughs> really, you should be listening to you. But even if you did do it and it didn't work out, you would learn something. That's better than not doing it. And the people who invest large amounts of money and lose money and come back and then build a fortune again, understand that you have to take risk. You have to believe in yourself and you have to get lots of enlightenment. Don't just sit around. As you said, you keep learning. And that's the most important thing. And hopefully this show is giving people, you know, a, 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 a different take on living that allows them to, I hope our listeners are, are, are taking some nuggets from what we say and applying them to their own lives because that's what this is all about. You can't do everything, but you can take little mm-hmm. bits and pieces and build your own, you know. So thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. It's always wonderful yeah. to be with you. Thank you so much, Michael, and thank you for, for everybody who takes a, a moment to listen because you really truly are only one positive thought away from you powering yourself and oh, yeah. really living the, the life that you deserve. So uh, thank you and look forward to you joining us again here on Connect to Love on PRNFM and enjoy a beautiful week. Absolutely. 